Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, alongside Dwayne Drawn. What's going on, Dwayne? What's going on, my man? It's still the same old bullshit. I had to cancel two flights this week, and the weather just won't let it. For some reason, we're just getting rain out the ass this year. Like, I'm not complaining because the earth needs it, but it's just crazy, man. It just will not stop. Yeah, I guess it's better than what's happening out west with all that heat, man. They're getting cooked out there, so... I guess I'll take the cool and wet. Same here in Pennsylvania. It's been just nonstop, but it's been it's summer, right? This is what happens in the summer. I just need to start training for my IFR. That's instrument flight rules yeah. where I can fly in the clouds because that's all we seem to be doing right now. We can't even fly in the pattern. Like the clouds are that low. Or you can go get certified as a scuba diver and then you can forget all this weather shit and just go underwater. <laughs> <laughs> and then there'll be sharks. Even knowing me, there'll be sharks trying to chase my ass, you know? Yeah. I've already <laughs> swam with sharks. It's a lot of fun at night. It's really freaky as hell, but it's uh, it's a good time. But anyway, so today, guys, we have a special guest uh, you know, on board with us here, Mark Rodas from Perfect Paver Company. You know, we've known Mark now for a couple of months and Dwayne and him go way back, which I, I'm sure we'll hear lots about here coming up. But, you know, we, we thought we'd bring him on the, the podcast because he's done something that a lot in our industry, a lot of people I'm sure have thought about. I know I have in the past, but he's done it on a massive scale and in, doing an incredible job. He's killing it, right? So he's taken his focus from a, a hardscape installing company to a hardscape maintenance company, both commercial and residential, right? And he's got a couple locations across the country. And it's really an awesome business model that he's created. Wanted to bring him on the show to talk a little bit about how he made that transition and to uh, just to hear about some of the struggles along the way and the things that he's found. So without any further ado, Mark, welcome. How are you doing? Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you guys about it and tell the story. Absolutely. So I think we'll start right out in the beginning. You both know each other, and I didn't know that until Dwayne and I were at a conference in Fort Lauderdale this winter, and then Dwayne's like, that's Mark. I haven't seen Mark in years. He's my nemesis. No, no, no. Say so, it right. That's okay. fucking Mark. That's fucking Mark. <laughs> say it right. That's yeah. fucking Mark. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to let um, Dwayne, you and Mark, since I'm kind of the side guy here, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about how you knew each other in the past, and then we'll get into the, the meat and potatoes here. So go for it. <laughs> you know, let's. Let, I'll just go with it. Mark and I, I have to say, what I got about it that, that meeting is I feel like we raised each other. Like we battled, you know what I mean, in this industry. And it was like, okay, what's Mark doing? What's Dwayne doing? What's Mark doing? What's Dwayne doing? And because of that, I believe we separated ourselves from a lot of the other companies in Columbus, Ohio. I mean, we really soared in the amount of work we were doing, the volume we were doing. It was insane. And it, and it seemed like our marketing, we were right beside each other. So I would show up at a job site 
and Mark was already there, or I was already there. And then I would I would see how many jobs I can steal from him. He would see how many jobs he could steal from me. I was actually at a client's house one day, and he said, Mark said, if Dwayne's here, he's going to lower the price. So he picks up the phone, and he calls Mark, and he says, well, if Dwayne gives the price, I'll be $200 cheaper. You can hear Mark. <laughs> so, but, and it's like, it drove me insane, but at the same time, like at the time, I had emotions. Fuck this. I'm sick of this. Da, 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 da. But as I grew up, I realized like I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for this guy really in this industry. So we really pushed each other to excel to the top. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, it is, it is awesome. Uh, I was As you're explaining that story, I was thinking about, you know, one of the things we competed in a lot is our website and our presence that we had on search engines like Google and Yahoo and whatnot. I can't count how many times I would go to Google in a day and type paper patio, Columbus, Ohio, enter paper patio, Columbus, Ohio, enter. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm number one. Then tomorrow I'm like, Dwayne's number one. Oh. And, and, I, and I would, you know, you can go to like Google search trends and see like you could type in your, your keyword and I would type in paper patio, Columbus, Ohio. And I'd be like, wow, like Columbus, Ohio has so much traffic for that keyword. Well, it's because Dwayne was typing it in 500 times a month and I was typing it in 500 months and nobody else was typing it in. Uh, you're right. You know, we both definitely elevated each other throughout that stint in our career. And not only our installation skills, our, how we ran our business, how we marketed our business, how we treated our employees, the whole thing, I think, stemmed back from that period of time when you and I were neck and neck. Yeah. I didn't even, to, to keep it real, Mark, I didn't know anything about like Google search engines and stuff like that. But when I kept seeing your websites pop up, I started studying and reading and learn as much as I could. And one of the complaints that I would always have is like, fuck, Mark knows this. I used to come home. Mark knows this. I don't know this. Mark knows this. <laughs> and so like training wasn't a big thing back then. You couldn't just hop anywhere and train. And I was like, how the hell does he know this Google stuff? So all the stuff that I was doing, Mark, it was I was just trying everything everything. I would keyword it every night. Like it was just a total shit show of me trying to figure out how to even stay close to where you were. Cause you knew it. Cause you were all over. I mean, you were, you were outside of Dayton beating me in Columbus. <laughs> yeah. I think for those, you know, we didn't really, maybe we didn't explain it too well, but Dwayne and I both had patio businesses, hardscape businesses yeah. uh, back in the like 2008, 2000, yeah. this is about that time frame, wasn't it? 2009, 10. And Dwayne was in Columbus. I was based out of Dayton and we expanded into Columbus and we became arch enemies, I guess, nemesis yeah. uh, for a period of time. <laughs> and then it was plugging my computer. And then it was like Josh said, we hadn't really seen each other for how long was it, Dwayne? When we saw each other at the, the Accelerate Live, maybe. Yeah, maybe like an eight or 10 year span. Eight or 10 year span. Yeah, you kind of moved on to something else. I moved on to something else. But it's very interesting just looking back on how it's definitely elevated our, where we're at now has a lot to do with yeah. that period of time. Yeah, I won't forget uh, seeing, sitting in that uh, conference room and Dwayne's like, that's fucking Mark. And I'm like, dude, you got to tell me a story. You just can't say that, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden you guys are talking and then, you know, we're out to dinner and it's like, we're under a bridge, man. Thank you. And let's keep moving. I just, I love that about you guys. How you're like, you know what? Put bygones be bygones. We're better because of it. We've all grown because of it. Thank you. Let's keep rolling. So it's, that's really awesome. 
Yeah, honestly, it's a new mindset that I'm in after like the Tony Robbins and the Landmark Forum. Like, if I wasn't, I think if I would have gone through that, I still would have been like, fuck Mark, fuck Mark. You know what I mean? Like, I was still like, I still would have been holding it. But the new mindset is, I'm like, really? Fuck him? Really? Because I wouldn't really be here if, if it wasn't that. Like, he made me better. I had to become better, you mean, to even compete on the level. And so that competition, it was fierce, but we, I mean, our paperwork, got, like I would look, I, I show up at a client's house, he had brochures and pamphlet. I ran home and made my brochures and pamphlet. I had to make them better. His business cards, I saw them, I had to make my business cards better. Like it created, like it was a, a competition. They say competition takes away uh, creativity. There was some creativity. I feel like that was taken away, but the education of owning a business and running a business, like Mark was saying is, then we started battling over contractors. So now we had to treat the contractors better because he had my contractors, I had his contractors. I mean, it was, we were really building something that we didn't know. And I didn't realize it until, like I said, after Landmark Forum and all that. And then I saw him in Florida. And when I shook his hand, I actually shook. Like when I shook his hand, my whole body shook. And I sort of like zoned out for a second. It was like this euphoric moment. I'm like, dude, I said, this man really, really, you mean, helped me get to where I am. You mean like everybody else is on your path to help you go to where they are. But like, it was a lot, man. That, that, that really made us the company we were. Like we were the shits. And in, in, in Columbus, Ohio, I will really put my hand up and say, Mark and I just ran that shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and I was thinking, like, I always think all the time, it's, you know, you always want to have your competition in your rear view mirror, not your windshield, right? And with you, it was like, I was always looking over and through the window, like you're right there in the car next to me. I'm like, <laughs> like you're neither. So... <laughs> Yeah. So that's awesome. So Mark, how did you get started in paper patios in general? Like, did you come from this world? Is this something new to you? Like when you first started back in uh, Ohio? Well, this is, that's like a whole podcast, a whole story of of how I got into it. So I'll, I know what we're trying to talk about, so I'll keep that short. But basically I started out as most of us do in this industry and that's cutting grass. A buddy came to me one day and he said, Hey, my brother, Gave me his lawn care business. I don't know how to run a business. Will you cut grass with me? And I was like, sure. So we cut grass. That was a lot of fun. I was like 18 or 19 at the time. And I started reading like the trade magazines and stuff like that and started to see in the landscaping. So I became more interested in the landscaping. That eventually went into hardscaping. Started our first hardscape job and realized I have no clue what I'm doing. So we were great at cutting grass, decent at doing landscape, terrible at putting in pavers and saw the writing on the wall that this was, you know, financially, this was not going to last. So I had a company recruit me and I won't say who the company is, but the the gentleman that recruited me was like the grandfather of pavers. It was like, you know, he's the one that helped create the ICPI. Uh, He brought in concrete pavers to the United States. So I, I worked with him for like five or six years and was kind of classically trained how to install hardscapes. And after about that period of time, I went out on my own, kind of with the knowledge of not only the business side of it that I, that I learned in that experience, but also, you know, how to correctly install hardscapes. And that's when I started my own installation company. And that, that was like in 2006. And that led up until like, uh, which I still run that business, but it's not our, we transitioned a lot of our people from the installation over to our now repair, restoration, maintenance business. Mark, I got a question though. On two brothers brick paving, who's the brother? Everyone's the brother. Okay. Because I always <laughs> wonder, like, 
I never saw your brother. Like, who's the brother? Yeah. So, <laughs> so when I, good question, actually, when I started the company, it wasn't like, it wasn't intended to be a full business. It was like a side gig. And I was working for this contractor that I was telling you about. The, the guy that I originally started working for who owned the company sold out. And so I was no longer working for him. I was working for the new owners and it just wasn't, it wasn't jiving. My brother was working for that company as well. His name's Greg. He's got a tremendous amount of hardscape experience. And I left that company. I got into sales and internet marketing and did that for a couple of years. And I, my brother called me up. He was getting laid off because it was wintertime. He's like, hey, why don't you do this internet marketing thing? Like put us up a website or something and let's see if we can get a couple of jobs for me to do on the, on the nights and the weekends. You sell them when you're not at work. I'll put them in. I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. And I called him back and I said, hey, I want to I want to put up a website. We have to have a name. Like, what are we going to name this? Let's let's name it Two Brothers Brick Paving, right? This wow. is not supposed to be, you know, this is not like we weren't thinking big. And so we named it Two Brothers Brick Paving. His name is Greg. And we started out where basically I was, you know, selling the jobs. Uh, he was installing them. At the time, I was actually doing copier sales. So I was, you know, knocking door to door, selling copiers during the day, doing internet marketing at night, learning everything I could. And, and then like on the, on the weekends, I would sell patios. He got into a bad car accident about two years into this and he was in the hospital for a couple of months. And so at that point in time, we had like $250,000 in signed contracts that we had to fulfill. And so I had to make the decision like, am I going to like take this leap and turn this into a, you know, a full-time job for me? Or am I... Like, do I just shut it down? And I, and I inevitably made the decision, like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So quit my job, put my work boots on and I went back to work and made it happen. But yeah, to yeah. answer your question, his name's Greg. He actually works now. For, um, he, he was working for a, a bridge builder, building bridges, uh, like a, he works for the union. And just this, this year, he actually decided to go back out on his own and he started his own paver installation company. So I'm really excited to see him get back into it. I know that's where his passion is and um, see him succeed in that, in that aspect. That's awesome. So Mark, what are you truly passionate about? I know you've, you know, you've obviously started out with uh, copier sales. You've, you've gone through, you know, landscaping and hardscaping and now into the maintenance side, like what really drives you? What's your passion? Well, I have a lot of passions, you know, if we're talking about like professional passions, are we talking about you know, um, spiritual or family passions, they're, they're going to be different answers depending on specifically what you're asking. But from a work standpoint, a professional standpoint, everyone always asks me like, like your energy levels through the roof, what drives you? And I'm like, well, you know, maybe it's money, maybe it's this, but uh, I think like, as I've matured, I seek fulfillment, my personal fulfillment. Like when I feel like whatever I'm trying to be fulfilled in, whenever that happens, that's the ultimate high for me. So that that's like a moving target, right? And like when I achieve fulfillment, I, I set a new level of fulfillment. But I would say ultimately, my passion is whether it's whatever I'm doing, it's you know that I'm being fulfilled. That's awesome. That's really cool. It's super yeah. important. I know I came along that same journey where I was kind of lost for a while for most of my life, and realized through UPW that uh, fulfillment is what I was missing. Right? It's it's filling that bucket and making sure that because when you're fulfilled, you can fulfill others. Well, and that's just, you're exactly right. So a turning point for my business and just me personally was when I realized that everyone wants fulfillment. 
like there are different vehicles to get you fulfillment, like money. You know, some people take money as a vehicle to get you fulfillment in the end. They just want to be fulfilled. But when you start thinking about that, like, for example, people on your team or your employees, at the end of the day, yeah, they want to make great money. They want benefits and this and that and the other, but they want to have fulfillment. They want to feel like they're achieving something, like they're a part of something bigger. Or they're making a difference. And, you know, we do paver restoration. Like how hard is it? Like how, you know, how can you get excited about paver restoration? But you can because... You know, like it's an art. We put a lot of love, passion into it. We do a lot of things with our team where we're giving back to the communities through different charities that they pick and stuff like that. And it makes our team feel fulfilled. And inevitably, we're, you know, we're able to attract a lot of people because of that. So fulfillment for me is definitely uh, what I what drives me. Hey, Mark, this is a perfect segue to the next question. And it's not loaded either. When you look at the business that you're in, what do you love about it? Is it is it the money? Is it the fulfillment? Is it the growth? Like, what is it that you love about it? And then did you start one way and then eventually change it to another? Well, so the reason why I got into the business was because I started to see the writing on the wall, like maybe back in 2013, that this industry is growing exponentially because of the demand. But the demand is being created in an unhealthy way, I feel like. Manufacturers like to make products look like anyone can put them in. If anyone can put them in, their market grows. In addition to that, getting into the hardscape industry is one of the least expensive businesses to get into. You need a shovel, a wheelbarrow, and a business card. You could rent a truck. And so there are all of these businesses popping up, which is great. You know, I love to hear that the, the industry is growing, but there's no one training these people. They're going just like I did. They, they cut grass and then a customer says, hey, can you put in a patio? And they're like, yeah, I, I can put in a patio. And they go to YouTube and they watch it. And so anyways, I started seeing like this trend of projects being built incorrectly. There's no cities given permits. There's no building codes. There's no standards of how these projects need to be built. Customers call up somebody and say, I want a price to put in a patio. If they get three bids and this guy's the cheapest, they assume it's just like going to the store and buying a 2021 Ford Edge. You go to three dealerships, they're all three 2021 Ford Edges, which everyone gives you the best price at the end of the day. It's still the, it's a 2021 Ford Edge. Not the case when you're talking about skilled trades and skilled labor. So I saw that trend develop and I thought, you know, this is an opportunity to kind of like get on the other side of that and when these projects start to have issues, we could be there to help these clients put them back together. And in hopes and, you know, kind of save the industry as well. So that's the initial reason why, I, you know, we jumped over to the, this restoration, this maintenance business, because we saw that not only how much, how many pavers were being put in, how many outdoor living spaces were being built, but also the, just the level in which how incorrectly a large percentage of them are being built. And so we kind of positioned ourselves to take advantage of that. Now, do you service mostly residential or commercial or a mix? What is your, you know, who's your ideal client? Our ideal client is residential. Okay. We do some commercial, you know, I think we just, one of our sales reps just sold a, an HOA in Columbus doing, you're probably familiar with, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but it's like a whole street. And I think there are six or seven homes in it. All the streets are all pavers, all the homes are all pavers. So we just sold that project to do the do all the repairs, all the restoration of the papers for the whole community. Nice. That's about the extent of, of commercial. At the end of the day, commercial cares about one thing, and that's making a profit on their business. And if I charge more, you know, if, if I charge what I need to charge for maintenance, they're not going to pay it. So I, instead of chasing that, I just go after residential. 
Yeah. Market sounds like in your industry, you have to do a lot of educating to your clients. How are you going by doing that? And are you educating installers too? Because, you know, I mean, if you don't want to go repair a job that's falling apart two years old, are you looking at educating other installers or you're just educating clients? Yeah. So I, well, we're definitely educating clients. You know, if you spend some time on our website or on any of our social media pages, you'll see that primarily through video, we spend a lot of energy in educating our clients what to expect, what, you know, how things should be, how they shouldn't be. In terms of educating installers, that's not something that uh, that I'm currently doing. I've toyed around with the idea of you know helping the industry in, in some way, but no, I'm not currently I'm not currently doing with client uh, contractors. Definitely with our clients, though, you have to you have to educate your customer when you're talking about they they've already hired a contractor. They spent fifteen thousand dollars building the patio. Now they got to pay me seventy five hundred dollars to fix it. Like, do you really want to make that mistake again? Like, hire someone that's going to do it right. So I have to educate them and why we're the contractor that's going to do it right this time. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Joshua, I have, and I have this, a new thing that in five years we want to touch over a million contractors. And so it's like with you being in maintenance, I, I feel that I'm speaking for Joshua, you would be like the perfect, I mean, person to help I me mean, reach out and touch these other companies. Because if you're just coming into clean and sand and, re, and, maintain a patio, you have a better product to maintain instead of having to come in there like, hey, guys, I know I got to come clean this thing. But you know what? The other guy before me messed it up. I got to tear it all apart. And then I'm starting to see people run from pavers like they don't want no parts of it anymore because stuff are falling apart. And so we're having to resell the quality and then raise the standards. Yeah, I mean, that's exciting. You know, I'd love to be a part of any way, any way that I could, you know, to improve this industry and make it even more sustainable than what I think it is. So any way that I could be a part of that or help you guys help the industry, I'd be happy to. I appreciate that. We're calling it, uh, you know, mission to a million. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to impact uh, and empower our other brothers and sisters out there in the landscaping, hardscaping, lighting, you know, anything to do with, with the outdoor living space arena. We want to, you know, help them get what they need in order to run successful businesses and to sell their ass off and to get out there and help people buy awesome spaces and just, create unique environments and learn how to design and, and just learn how to run a business, right? To, to be able to empower them because I feel like there's so many in this industry that are starting out, you know, and they're, they're lost, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I was lost in the beginning too. Nobody, not many in our industry go to business school first and then they go to get a degree for their, you know, to lay pavers. And then next thing you know, they're out there doing it. And they're like, you know, that doesn't happen in our industry. Most of the time it's, it's either an accident, they end up in this industry or they, uh, they started as a hobby and become something more. So we want to be able to help and support them throughout their journey so that the, the entire industry raises so that we can all raise prices, that we can all take vacation, that we can all rise together. And that's really the bigger picture of it all. So we like big goals here, yes, Express. So we said, why not go after, you know, the, the opportunity in the next, you know, five years to impact a million people. So we're super jacked about our focus with that. And uh, yeah, anything you can do to help on that and would be fantastic. So now, as far as throughout this, you've made the leap from the paver installing side to the paver maintenance side, the hardscape maintenance side. What are some of the toughest lessons you learned in that that transition? Like, what were some things that popped up? You're like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Was there anything like that pop up that popped up? Well, the interesting thing about the the paver restoration business is it's not like so. For example, with what you guys do, you know, you sell outdoor living spaces. You you send them through a whole design process, they know pretty much exactly what they're going to get, right? 
it's like a tangible. You're selling them something tangible through your design, through your explanation. When you're talking about someone who has 15-year-old pavers, and I'm telling them I'm going to restore them, there's no way for me to tell them what it's going to look like other than it's going to look better, right? Every paver reacts differently. So the biggest challenge was grasping how to manage client expectations and restoration. And, and that's an ongoing thing. We're, we're seeking to improve on that every day. But the, that was definitely when you go from being able to show someone a design, go to a store and pick out this paver, this stone, this cap versus like, I need you to just trust me and sign right here that this is going to look great. That was that was the biggest challenge. Interesting. And how do you how do you get around that now? Do you find that there's a way to educate them ahead of time or how do you help set those expectations? What are you learning from that? Well, I think that, so what happens is when someone wants to do paver restoration, maybe they learn about paver restoration through us and they got, start going out and doing research and they start f- coming across, let's say another contractor's website, or let's, let's say they come across a manufacturer, like a paver sealer manufacturer's website. And this, this, these websites are making these claims, like we're going to make your pavers look brand new, or you're never going to have weeds in your pavers again. So people have these, these ideas in their head that oh, I'm going to hire a perfect paper company because they have the best reviews. They, they educate me. It seems like they know what they're talking about. And they just assume that if you hire someone to seal your pavers, everything that I've read is correct. And, and that's what perfect paper is going to do. So uh, what we do is when, when a client signs up with this, we have like a, you, you ever bought a car? I'm sure you have. You bought a car and they like have this little sheet, like initial here, if you want to decline this initial here, if you want to decline this, yep. you know, accept this. Mm-hmm. We basically run them through a whole process of like the, these are the things that are the most misconceptions about what we do and what we don't do. And we want to make sure that you understand these things and you understand what you're getting as much as possible before you sign the bottom line. So that's helped a lot. Uh, as soon as someone gets on our schedule, they get an email from us. that says like, Hey, welcome. You're on our schedule. Here's how our schedule works. And here's some things that we want you to like, we want to educate you to make sure yours aware of what to expect uh, about not only our schedule or process, but as well as like what the end result might be like. That's awesome. Mark, were you in this uh, podcast before? Like, is, are you having like a deja vu moment? Like why you say that anyway? Because like, this is the next question, dude. Like how has the systems helped your business? Like that was my next question. And you basically, (laughs) you and me broke it down already. (laughs) <laughs> Josh sent me your uh, question list. No, there you go. <laughs> but how like, to you know to to add on to what Dwayne's thinking there is is you know how have implementing systems into your business helped you grow and scale and all that kind of thing? Do you need systems in your business? And you you kind of already alluded to that. But the uh, the overall candor here is to I know a lot of our listeners are are trying to you know go day to day without systems and getting frustrated and pissed off all the time because they're running insane hours and they're always doing it their way. They have to be on every site. They have to to constantly be part of everything. They have to be the one that makes all the final decisions. There's, it's, it's a nonstop machine that requires their focus. And, you know, we've talked many times when I about systems and businesses, but I'm curious in your type of business now, how important those systems are for setting those expectations and how you get a, an entire team behind these ideas, as opposed to Mark having to do everything all the time, but having your entire team rowing in the same direction. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So we have about 17 crews that we're running right now. And if there wasn't solid processes in place, it would be a nightmare, especially for, you know, like I was saying with the business that we're in, you're you're essentially managing client expectations. And so we, you know, processes are a big part of our business. And 
one of our processes is to continually improve our processes. Like, I don't think we're ever going to be at the end of the road of developing processes. You can always do it more efficiently. You can always do it better. There's always new pavers coming out on the market that we have to change our processes to adapt to. So uh, we have a lot of processes in place for like our marketing. We have a lot of processes in place for just, like I said, managing client expectations, our, our crews, what they have to do, you know, you, Here's how you schedule jobs. Here's what happens when you show up to the job. Here's how you communicate with the client. You let them know at this stage. You let them know this at this stage. Uh, when you finish, you do X, Y, and Z. So yeah, uh, certainly we noticed the growth when we put the processes in place. So we started investing the time in the processes. How did you start in the very beginning? We had this conversation in the last podcast was about how do you start if you're somebody out in business now and maybe... All right, so you're a hardscaper. Let's just play this scenario. You're a hardscaper and you're like, you know what, I've, thought, I've seen this, this idea of maintaining and sealing pavers and all that as maybe it's a side hustle in my business. How do you even start, not even just getting into that business, but the processes and the systems in order to make sure you can deliver a great you know, service at the end of the, the day? Like, How do you start building those systems is my bigger question. So how, yeah, how do you start building the systems? So for me, what it, it's a mindset. And that mindset started for me when I was actually working on my computer and I realized I was showing people how to do things all the time, the same things. Like I just explained to to this person how to do it. And I'm explaining to this person. So then I decided I'm going to start screen recording everything I do. Well, that put me in this mindset because I could just send the screen screen record to like all these people. And, and I get it. That's a little further down the road than what you're talking about. You're saying like, how does someone get started? But I'm setting the stage of like, it's a mindset thing. So if you start thinking like, I'm going to do this one task today and I'm going to do it in a way that when I'm done with it, I can pass it off to someone else. Or maybe I don't have that other person, but I'm not only making the investment in doing the task, but I'm making the investment of creating a process that someone else could easily do this thing that I just did without an absorbent amount of training, whether it's make a video of how you're setting grades for your patio, like make that video when you're doing it, store that in a bank. Next time you're, you're screening, make that video, make, you know, make a video of everything, document everything. And I think that just getting that, whether you ever use those things or not, it's going to start getting your mind working in that mindset to where that you may, it may just be you by yourself or you and one guy, but it, you're never going to grow until you have a way of passing off tasks to someone else and being able to train them to do it. It's, in most cases, it's not the person's fault whose the task is being passed off to if they don't succeed in it. It's the person who's passing the task off and not their inability to train that person or to give them the tools to be successful. So mindset, everything you do, you know, do it in a way that like you could pass it off to someone else. And it just, it just like starts, you live and breathe it. It becomes a game, right? Well, it sure yeah. does. Yeah. I mean, it, it becomes a game. You look at your schedule and you're like, all right, I got 10 things today. If you could just do this once a day or once a week and say, how can I hand one of these things off to somebody else? Let's, to your point, either you write it down as a process, you shoot it as a video and you hand it off to them and you're like, all right, good. One thing down next day, two things next week, whatever. Pretty soon all 10 things are gone and you're sitting here thinking, well, now I actually have time for my family for that baseball game. I have I have time for that uh, that vacation that I've been putting off and my wife's driving me nuts because we can't go anywhere because I'm a slave to my own damn business, right? It's, I mean, we've all been there. But then also you're handing these things off and, and you're sitting back saying, holy crap, I actually run a business. 
<laughs> as opposed to owning my job. And there's once once that changes, and it's it's we, we preach this all the time, Dwayne. Once that changes, and you start handing those pieces off and realize you aren't the best at everything, you might want to believe that it, it helps protect your ego. But when you let that go and realize your team is probably better at you than on most, if not everything. What they need is a leader. They need somebody that can look way out in advance and guide the ship. They're not looking for somebody to do this stuff for them. That's what they want, right? And those processes aid in that. So, no, I love that. That's awesome. And the video side is fantastic. You shoot videos, set them out. That's, that's great. Even Dropbox, let everybody just work from those different boxes. It's great. It's awesome. So if I were a hardscaper, right, and I was thinking, all right, well, I really love this idea of, of maintenance. It sounds like a hell of a lot less equipment, a hell of a lot less, you know, ripping the yard up, headaches, all of that stuff. And I'm looking to get into the maintenance side. What should I consider? What are three things I should consider before making that transition? What are things that you, maybe some blind spots or things that you weren't thinking about when you w- moved over that could potentially snag them or hang them up? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I think that if you're going to do it, you kind of have to like go all in. What I noticed when I first started is we were kind of teetering between both businesses, the installation and the, the restoration business. And I kind of had guys like bouncing back and forth. And, you know, it's like when the sun's shining, you got to be sealing. But at the same time, Mrs. Smith's calling you saying like, okay, it's rained for three days. Why aren't you finishing up my patio? So I think you have to like, you have to make the the commitment to like, I, either A, I'm going to go all in on maintenance or B, I'm going to have this team that's specifically all in on maintenance because it's, it, it is difficult if you're, you know, you're a smaller operation, maybe just one crew to try to have that crew do both. That's going to be very difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible, but anticipate weather plays a huge factor in what we do. So anticipate weather being a struggle, trying to bounce between the two of them. I think that's one of the things I think that for me, when I first started with our first truck, I, I thought too small. Uh, you know, like, well, I don't need the bigger, bigger machine. I don't, I don't need more pressure, more water volume. I'm going to start small. And then like we grew out of that super quick. So if you're going to go all in, go all in, you know, buy the, you know, the, the setup specifically for doing maintenance. Oh, number three. Yeah. I think like you said, you, you know, you're, you're going to have to really, you really need to know what you're doing. I would say right now we're probably about 60% of our projects are clients who hired a contractor, a lot of paver installers, a lot of landscapers, a lot of painters, hired a contractor to come in, seal their pavers, messed it up. We have to come in, we strip it all, remove all the polymeric sand. So you can go out of business real quick if you mess up three or four patios and you don't have the know-how to fix it. So just get some good training. You could start with maybe speaking with like a manufacturer of the product to get, get an understanding of what the differences, you know, between the types of sealers and processes. I think probably number one, I think the number one question would be make sure you know what you're doing because it's a, it's a nightmare when something goes wrong with sealing pavers. You know, one of the philosophies that Joshua and I implement is, is who, not how. And I sort of look at the approach a little different, like, especially the way we do, like I say, like our lighting, we have a specific lighting company we bring in. How would a contractor unite with you guys and bring you guys in to now maintain their product projects? Like, how would that work? Well, we've, we've actually started having uh, building some relationships like that uh, here in the Ohio market. We have locations throughout Ohio as well as uh, South Florida and Southwest Florida. We don't have a lot of relationships like that in Florida. Uh, we do have a lot. Of, we're starting to develop some relationships like that in Ohio. So we have two scenarios. One, one type of contractor is calling us in like they they install the patio 
they leave. Like they just put maybe just enough sand in the joint to keep it from moving around. And then they just say, Hey, perfect paper is going to come in afterwards. We come in, you know, maybe 30, 60 days later and we do just a light clean, remove anything they put in the joint, stalls polymeric sand and seal it. So that relationship's worked really well because I think what happens is these contractors that are installing, you know, you have a hundred thousand dollars in equipment on a job site, trailers, trucks, bobcats, excavators, all of your personnel, and you finish this $25,000 project and your final payments being held up by sealing the pavers. So you leave, you go over, you start the next project, you're making good progress on that. And then the other client starts calling you like, Hey, aren't you going to seal, you know, aren't you going to seal my, so you have to take this $150,000 of equipment, all this personnel over here and, and seal this project. So we think it works great. I think the client, the contractors that we're working with really appreciate it. They just finish the job, pass it off to us. We take care of it. And we don't actually work through any contractors because of the expectation that we have to set with a client. Like what we found is if we give all this expectation to the client, to the contractor, they never give it to the client and then the client ends up unhappy. So if we're going to work for your client, don't worry, we're not going to steal them, but we're going to be in communication. We're going to be in control of expectations. The other type of scenario with a contractor is where they just, you know, they get clients that call them up. They want a patio, a patio fixed, or maybe they're not even a client of theirs. Maybe they're just a, someone who calls them off the road. You know, Hey, I got a small little project I need to repair or I need my papers clean and sealed. And that kind you know, that kind that client will contact us as well. So those are the two kind of scenarios that, that we've started relationships that we started developing with contractors. I think it works really well. If you're not in the, paper maintenance business full on where you have crews doing it start to finish. It's hard to make money on it. And I don't mean start to finish. I mean, full, like full in, like every day, if you're trying to just dabble in it, it's not, uh, it's not a super profitable business. You have to be all in. Yeah. That seems like a good scenario is to get with these contractors and sort of educate them. And then just like how I use my lighting company and I bring them even lights up under the caps, like they install all that stuff and we go and they design everything. That's pretty dope to do it that way. That's cool. Now, yeah. Mark, so if I'm a contractor, even a homeowner at this point, when do I know to call Perfect Paper Company? And what I mean by that is if, if I had a project put in, it was it was installed incorrectly, things are failing, the steps are failing, the pavers are sinking, whatever it might be, how far in the, in the maintenance side do you go in the repair? Is there a certain point you walk away and you're like, look, dude, like this thing is, it it needs to be completely cleaned off and start again? Like like how deep do you go from the, from the uh, maintenance side where you're like, I'll take on this, but I won't take on that? Where's that line? There's definitely a line there. And we, we get those calls a lot. We have done rehab projects that cost more than the original installation. And it's not because the original, well, it's primarily because the original contractor didn't charge enough. Uh, you know, the, the client's like, this is more than, you know, this is $20,000 to repair this. I only paid $20,000 to put in. I'm like, well, you got a $40,000 deal. It should have been $60,000. You know, my 20 plus his 20, you're still 20 ahead. Yeah. Um, but there, you know, there are definitely, I would say, 20% of the people who call us, like, for example, in our Ohio market, just no help. Like, you need to start up. Yeah. This question is going to sort of flip the gears a little bit. And it's wild that we're even here. Like, it, it's, this is this is even a special moment just to even see you here. Just when I look back, even the energy that we had together and how we worked hard, it's like the grown-up cells of us is now looking at each other and we're all helping. It's just such a very special moment. But when you look back at, say, like your 21-year-old self and you look now, like, what would you say to that person? Oh, uh, you did change gears. 
(laughs) (laughs) I would say like, believe in yourself, you know, like it's going to work out, quit having doubt. And I think that, yeah, I would push myself to believe in myself more and I wouldn't change the course that I went because it made me who I was. But if I could have eliminated some of the doubt along the way, I think that uh, it would have made it a maybe a little bit more enjoyable ride. So, That's awesome. So you mentioned earlier in the conversation about how you know how you're you're considered by many a a very happy, bubbly, like on fire with life kind of guy. And I I always ever since I met you in, in Fort Lauderdale, I've felt that energy from you. How do you keep that up? How do you keep that energy flowing and that uh, vitality in your life? Like how do you do it? It's a curse. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. I think it's, you know, it's something that I have, I have highs and lows. You know, I go through these moments where I'm at the peak, you know, I'm just like, this is exactly where I want to be, tons of energy. And then I have these moments where I'm not. And I think it's, it's because when I get in those moments where I'm not, I'm able to recognize it and I do things to get back out of those, those modes. So I think you have the option of when you get like down or a little lower energy, your brain kind of starts thinking of things like in a depressing kind of way. And if you just like, you know, snap yourself out of that and like, whether it's, I got to go on a walk or I'm going to hop on the Peloton bike or I'm going to like, I'm going to read or I'm just going to like spend some time with my family, something like that. You know, I think is how I kind of snap myself back out of, out of that, but it's definitely, it's work to stay in that mindset, like to, to be a high energy. I don't think, I think there are very few people who are high energy. I know both of you guys are high energy and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like you're not just high energy all the time without like doing things to be high energy. Right. Yeah. I'm actually impressed that you even know to do that because that's sort of what I do to stay in, in game. Like people may think I'm, I'm, I'm on 24 seven. I have my down moments, but I don't let it last. I mean, I actually, I give myself 60 seconds and, it's I'm I got to move on. Like if I hear news, I don't like, OK, yeah, great. 60 seconds. I move on. And I actually have music playlists. I ride the bike. I do stuff like that to stay at. And it's, it's pretty dope that you know that. You know what I mean? To, to keep yourself going that way. Yeah, I mean, because so many think that when they see this Instagram world of everybody always having fantastic fucking 100 percent days, eight days a week. You know, they think that, man, I'm doing something wrong. I'm flawed. I'm broken, especially business owners. They think they, they see on, on whatever, any media outlet about people that are constantly making it, making millions or billions or whatever the hell the number is. It doesn't matter. And they always see them smiling. Everything is great. But the reality is every single one of them are human. And every single one of those people have up days and they have down days. They don't take pictures of their down days. They only take pictures of their up days so they can always look awesome. The reality is, and we all know this as humans, but we don't want to believe it, is everybody has shitty days. I have shitty days too. You know, but you have a choice in whether, to Dwayne's point, you have a choice in whether you want to wallow as me in that whatever, in that depression, or whether you want to snap your ass out of it and get moving. That's really the bigger question is, do you want to live there? Where's your home, right? You want to live in the shit or you want to actually live in the, in the good stuff where if your mind goes in a way that you get depressed, to your point, jump on a bike, change your state, get out there, do something different, spend time with your family. Hell, just go for a walk, as you mentioned. Those kinds of things help a lot. But having a ritual is what I've found. Having rituals each day that promote that type of mindset every single day to constantly be thinking in abundance and gratitude and all these kinds of things because we are so blessed to be alive on the, in this beautiful planet with all these beautiful people, like to just remember that and not get stuck in the drudgery of I didn't hit a goal or somebody pissed me off or somebody cut me off. Like some people, you can just live there. 
There's no point in that. It's a waste of life. You only get, if you're lucky, 28,000 days on this planet, right? It's the average lifespan. You're going to waste a day on somebody else's bullshit? Hell no, dude. I'm not signing up for that. But yeah, it's so important to be in charge of your own mind. That's the main thing. You get the choice in, in what things mean. You get choice whether somebody screwed you or they taught you something, right? It's your choice in what stories you get and what you what meaning you apply to them. So it's 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 powerful that you know that already, and you're going to learn that a lot more after November for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, my wife yeah. Katie and I were really excited about November. I've been showing her some stuff, little clips from uh, Tony, and she's uh, she's excited as well. Uh, touching real quick on um, what we were just talking about, I think as you know, I think when someone is able to like appreciate their flaws, like embrace your flaws and realize like who I am and the story that the story of my life is great because of like the flaws, the imperfections, that's what makes it great. If someone just has this like even kill kind of normal, no peaks, no lows life, like what move, who's going to watch that movie, right? Who wants to listen to that story? Like I want to, I want to hear the story about the guy who like he came from nothing. Right. And he did, he had everything working against him. He, you know, he had these health conditions. He had this, he had that, and he was able to get where he is now. It's not where you at that counts. It's the journey, where you started, where you are now. That distance is where success is measured. So we all start at different places. And when you embrace your flaws, your imperfections, things that you aren't responsible for in your life that you were given and you embrace that. And like, that makes your story. I think that, that lifts you up as well. Like you just, uh, you know, makes you feel good every day. Before we wrap this up, I want to read this real fast. And I actually shared this with Joshua this morning is by Mel Robbins. Wealth is a state of appreciation, not money. If you have scarcity around money now, you're always going to feel that way, no matter how successful you become. Abundance is a mindset, not a dollar amount. You must have gratitude for the things that you have now and everything else will feel like abundance. That's exactly sort of what you just said. Yep. Mark, what I want to do is I want to end with, how, one, I want to say it's a beautiful thing to talk. And I, I know I've said it several times. I'm so happy that you and I are on this side of the fence to work together. I've been telling my wife, my wife, she can't, she thinks you're cute, everything. She can't wait to meet you. She thinks you're a nice guy. I'm like, man, fuck him. You know what I mean? I'm like, fuck Mark again. But um, anyway, <laughs> um, she can't wait to meet you and your wife and, and just really, I can't wait to see what you and I create on this side of the world now compared to battling, even though we created individuals of, of, of ourselves but now that we're working together, I think it's going to be even more amazing. But before we end, how would people find you in your business and just who you are in your life? Like, how are you found? Found in what way? And just your marketing standpoint, like how would if I'm in Columbus, Ohio or in South Florida and I need your services, how would we contact you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you would start you could start by visiting our website and you might find our website by a friend or family or a neighbor that told you about it. You maybe you would find us on YouTube. You know, we have, we brought on a full-time videographer slash storyteller this year. And uh, that's been, you know, that's been a lot of fun and it's enabled us to like highlight a lot of uh, all of what our team's doing, but you could find us through our video. You could find us on social media. We do a a lot with our social media presence. You could, you, maybe you see our trucks down the road. You could call us on the phone. You could, uh, you could Instagram us. You could email me, mark at perfectpaverco.com. How about that? Is that where you were? Yeah. What's your, your uh, website address or your website URL? 
Yeah, it's perfectpaverco.com. Perfect. Awesome. That sounds good. Yeah. Mark, be- before we pop off here, let me, let me hit this one real fast. Go for it. I was working with a client a couple weeks ago. I think I, I sent you guys both the text, but it was just funny as hell. I was working with a client a couple weeks ago and I was explaining to her about polymerics and things like that. And so in order, like, it's like I'm telling you, and I'm the professional, but she wants to get more information on it. So she does some YouTube searches and guess whose video she finds. Mark's video explaining and back in the day I would have been like fucking Mark and then this time I'm like yeah that's my boy so then I turn around and I send her the photo of when we both took the picture in Florida like yeah that's my dog but that's funny as hell that you know what I mean that you still control the freaking airways on Google and YouTube even now to this day dude you're the man bro oh thanks thanks man so Mark is there anything else you want to say to our uh, listeners before we wrap up any other little nuggets of of wisdom no i don't think so i think that we've uh we've we've shared a lot in this hour has been an hour um yeah i think that you know if you want to venture in the hardscape the maintenance business and you want some advice reach out to me shoot me an email and i'd be happy to uh answer any questions that you have and also you know we're looking at expanding a lot you know we started out in ohio we expand down in florida so if there's any of your listeners who, you know, would want to be a partner or uh, in, in any facet, we're completely open to any, you know, there's no like rules on how that partnership might, you know, exist. Uh, or, you know, if you want to join our team and help us open up a new location, like in, let's say, Houston or Dallas, Atlanta, something like that, uh, reach out to me and be happy to have that discussion with you and see where that goes. I love that. I love that. We can all work together to all rise. That's the beauty of it. And you guys are awesome. Thank you for coming on here. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. I've learned a lot. And, uh, yeah, so we'll wrap it up here. And again, if you guys have any questions for Mark, you can reach out. He gave you the email address and uh, also a, maybe a possible a business opportunity there too. So don't be afraid to reach out to him and see what he can do and you guys can work together to create something beautiful. So Dwayne, any last words? I see you smiling over there. No, it just sounds like I hear a franchise opportunity. <laughs> that, that's what I hear. I, I'm hearing the bells ringing. <laughs> I said no rules. I love it. Yeah. I yeah. love that. And we'll go flying one day, Mark, too. We'll go flying one Let's day. Go. We'll make sure we pull, pull that off. I'm game. My logbook's getting empty. I need to, I need to log some yeah. time. See you guys. <laughs> All, All right, right. Have fun. Thanks. <laughs>